our, our job as strategists is to be optimistic, absolutely, and to champion, but to have a level of pragmatism to make sure everyone keeps their feet firmly on the ground. This is That Marketing Podcast. Made by marketers for marketers. Welcome to another episode of That Marketing Podcast, brought to you by Spotlight UK. This is part two of that podcast episode. The reason for this is when I recorded with Howard back in, I believe, August 2021, we touched on a few topics like what the future of podcasting is, particularly, and also how we saw the future of, of Clubhouse, which was at the time sort of the darling new app. And since that episode was recorded between then and it going live, there's been some really interesting developments in those fields as well as a few others. So we wanted to, to revisit it, see how our predictions got on and um, make sure it was a fully up-to-date episode. So it's a little bit shorter, it's the same topic, same guest. I hope you enjoy. Welcome back to the podcast. It feels a bit weird to be having actually, at the time of recording, haven't set the first one live, but it is it is welcome back because it's been, was it six months since we recorded the the first chat, I think? And what an eventful six months it's been. Absolutely. We've got plenty to catch up on there. And I'm going to shamelessly start on the biggest of the media kind of things that I thought was worth bringing up, which is Joe Rogan. And not not kind of on a content level, but actually I, what his, what, what his journey, that sounds terrible, but what what the fury about him and Spotify kind of says about where podcasts are actually going. I know you said when we first recorded this, that it wasn't, we hadn't hit peak podcast yet. There was way more to come. And I think my takeaway from this is that Spotify are saying exactly the same thing. Um, and the reason I came to that conclusion, I did the, did the research as much as I could. And top artists on Spotify are paid £8.40 per 1,000 streams of a song. Then Spotify reportedly offered Joe Rogan 100 million for exclusive access to his podcast, which would be equivalent to 11.9 billion streams in a year. And the top streamer for all of 2021, who was also the top streamer of 2020, coincidentally, um, he in 2021 had 9.1 billion across the entire year. So he is would need to add a third well, 31% extra streams to his his fan base, audience participation to to get anywhere near that. And I say, given that it's a it's a fair assumption he's earning the highest amount, given that he's had the the title two years in a row, that just says to me that Spotify are absolutely putting their weight behind podcasts being a growth industry in the future of where they're going to make their money and drive their subscription model. Yeah, well, I think they, I think they made, it, made it very public. I think they were looking at 20% of their output to be non-music-based. So, obviously, that is podcasting. Um, I think if you look at the, the general global position on streaming services, it's very competitive, whether audio or televisual. Um, and from an audio perspective, you've got an awful lot of original content, but similar to the, the slightly more well-established TV model, they'll buy talent. Um, and their view is the talent will drive the listener base, the audience profile, which they'll then try and monetize. Um, I think, you know, Joe Rogan, who at the time was the biggest name in podcasting, um, and arguably still is, um, was a smart move. Perhaps less so, you could look at the Sussex with their Archwell audio, 
where it's rumoured that they were paid near on £18 million for their podcast series. And from what I'm aware, they've done one episode so far, which appears to be quite a, a high level of an advance. Um, we have very little evidence in terms of the number of subscribers and audiences they've driven on the back of it. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see if we can find out whether that's up front or if that's part of a bigger packet. But yeah, but either way, that is a lot per episode. I would love to earn £18 million of revenue for every episode of this I put out. I could probably retire off the back of off the back of that and I think we're seeing a sort of thing with a lot of other bits and the um in the space you get global radio with the other ones that are doing a very similar model with Harry yeah, Redknapp's podcast and a few others. Yeah, so again if you look at traditional publishers um and sort of service providers, global have been uh, they heavily promote the global player across their commercial radio uh, networks. Um and again they've they've done deals whether it be Harry Redknapp or others where They'll offer a payment to take a series, um, again, using the talent to drive some of the publicity, but ultimately wanting it to drive an audience base. Um, so obviously, you know, there's a particular type of football fan that loves Harry Redknapp's style and character. Obviously, Harry himself can attract guests onto his show. But with the support of Global to cross-promote it across its other traditional radio channels, obviously, they've got an asset there that they thought for Series 1, which was worth investing in. Um, and it's not, as I said to you, it's not uncommon. Um, you've got platforms such as Audio Boom. Audio Boom, when they you know, first came to the market a good few years ago, I think Russell Brand was one of their first names they had in their stable, where, like a traditional book publisher, they were doing advanced deals. And I think the podcast industry was started doing the same. They were offering advance to authors, authors in inverted commas, for, for their audio podcasts. Uh, with the view that, you know, over a number of series, they'll be able to monetize it and, and potentially make profit on it. Yeah, I'd be interested to see if that's... It sounds like it's going very much along the same lines that we've seen subscription video going on. We were talking about Netflix. I think I saw their last earnings report. They're actually... They're in a bit of trouble because one of the, the big metrics they're challenged on is subscriber growth. But then if you look at the reports for the numbers they're doing in... Particularly in North America they've pretty much reached 100% penetration. Like almost pretty much every adult in the US, Canada, Mexico, that whole area has got Netflix now. So they've hit a ceiling of growth and it's not clear to me where they go from here. So is, is the podcast industry just on the same trajectory a couple of years behind or do you think it will catch up quicker? Um, I, I think it's a fair bit behind. Um, I think there's an expectation with audio perhaps there's less willingness to pay for it as a subscription service. Um, you know, you only have to look at the way that the likes of Amazon have, have developed. You know, you become an Amazon Prime member just so you get your shopping the next day and you're offered video for free and you're offered audio for free. You know, and if you don't subscribe to Apple, uh, some, of the, sorry, some of the Amazon services, then, you know, they send you frequent reminders telling you you can access the content. So I think the reality is the, the competition for you and I as listener is intense. Um, is, there any, is there any one platform that is going to have exclusive rights to us that we can subscribe to? I doubt it. Um, I think you're going to see more niche content appearing and, and profiling of, of individuals. So, as, you know, data analytics will sit behind an awful lot of decision making as to what we're targeted with. Um, but, it, you know, is it is it good or bad for us as a, as a listener? Time will tell you. I, I personally think the market will consolidate. 
Um, I can see the, you know, you've got some very large players out there with some very large cash mounds sitting there <laughs> ready to purchase. If you look at Spotify, the amount of money they've paid the last few years for Gimlet and others is eye-watering in some regards. But at the same time, that's market forces. Um, so I think for, you know, the, opp the opportunity for brand, however, um, and this is why I think you're seeing an increasing number of brands moving into the realms of brand-funded programming brand funded podcast because actually you've got the ability to compete for the listener as much as a traditional player subject to how you go about your marketing and PRing of your content you know it's being carried by a major platform isn't a guaranteed route to success in terms of downloads listens and subscribes no I mean, what you sounds like I, in my house we've got Netflix we've got Prime Video we've got Disney Plus and that's before you throw in BBC iPlayer 4 On Demand and all the other free ones. I, I can't remember the last thing I watched on Prime Video. We keep it around because there are things now and then. But I don't know. I can't imagine us committing. But yeah, even though we haven't watched anything on Prime, I think we keep it for the other benefits around. So I can't see most people being sort of brand loyal when it comes to one subscription over the other. No, absolutely. And, and so again, it'll be down to the quality of the content and the relevance of the content to you as a listener, you know, the the kind of person that will subscribe to Disney plus for, for TV content um, may not necessarily be someone who's also interested in, you know, for on demand. Obviously, it's not a paid for subscription, you know, but, you know, in other services. But, but the, the audio market, I think, is an interesting one because the, the ability to self-publish audio, I believe, is very different to self-publishing video content. You know, to try and compare Netflix, you know, you'll, you'll, str well, you'll struggle to see what I call amateur-level self-published content on Netflix. If you want to compare YouTube, however, um, some of the podcast platforms, absolutely. And it's no coincidence that YouTube is one of the fastest-growing platforms for podcast consumption. Mm -hmm. And there is a growing trend that people are now recording, video recording, podcasts, so people can watch them and listen to them via YouTube as a, as a, as a default app on their smartphone or, or tablet devices. Yeah, I can see that there's a big difference between, you know, like us using the video of this conversation and just having, I don't know, a screen cap or whatever at the end to to something like The Mandalorian, you know, with, with big name actors and, and the full... I mean, you, mean, I wonder, you mean we're not big names, Richard? We, well, no, we're big names. <laughs> <laughs> but... I put that self up myself. There wasn't a hundred million pound team doing props and design for <laughs> for that. And I wonder if there's a sort of a correlation with what you're saying earlier that whether there's a willingness to pay for audio depend is it's contingent on what you think it costs to make. That we the early part of our first conversation in the podcast was that the the barrier to just getting started is very very low. I mean, when we did the first one, I, ha I had a, a Blue Yeti mic that had been kicking around the office for ages. I connected my laptop and with a, like a £5 set of earphones and off we went. That was, you know, the, the financial outlay was less than £100. Whereas, you know, you can't make a TV series for 100 Well, I mean, you could, but it wouldn't, it probably wouldn't look great. So when if there's a, if people assume there's a lot lower cost to producing good audio that impacts their willingness to pay for it? 
I think to some, I think to some regard, but I think it's more about the relevance of the content to the audience. Um, I mean, you know, there's, I mean, we we produce uh, a number of episodes and series for BBC Sounds here. They they're using our studios for their uh, podcast called Pressed. Um, and you know, whilst it started off as purely audio, we're now producing video because they're looking at transmitting that on BBC Three, which obviously is free to wear as, as a viewer. Will people pay for content? I don't necessarily think. Obviously, production values will be a factor, but I I think it's the interest, the exclusivity of that content, its relevance to the audience, is whether someone will pay for it or not. It's, it's no different, <coughs> excuse me, to any form of content. Um, the reason I keep referencing the video market is a much more tried and tested model. But you know, how many how many people out there are willing to pay for Sky Sports? Sky movies, you know, that yeah. there is a large audience for it. And it's interestingly that it's gone from a monthly subscription, you've now got a huge pay as you go model with the likes of Now TV and others. And I think audio may well follow the same. I think if someone said to you there is a brilliant audio series on X, but it'll cost you five pounds to download it, is that price point gonna work? You know, we're we're doing a lot of research at the moment looking at price points of what people are willing to pay. The interesting model in podcasting that I think we'll see similar to TV is if you look at BritBox, you have an ITV, you have a choice of paying for BritBox and it's ad free or don't pay for it and you'll get served ads. And I think the same will happen to podcasting. Yeah. People have got, people have got to podcast has to be funded somehow. Yeah. There's got to be, you know, M3 money in circulation needs to exist for good content to be being made. So it's got to be funded somehow. So is your willingness to receive ads, you know, and in reads across a podcast series on the basis you don't have to pay for to subscribe to it? Or is it you'd rather pay an incremental amount for the series but have no ads served to you? And, and again, I think a lot of research will be done by organisations, profiling the audience groups, ascertaining if they are willing to pay if so how much they'll look at total number of reach downloads they think they can generate and obviously they'll you know the actuaries out there the, the accountants will do the maths to work out which model is going to work best for for how they distribute, distribute that content sure i, I find there's, there's increasing I and mean, i'm not sure if it depends on who produced the podcast but quite a few that i listen to there seems to be a trend where the host of the podcast reads out the adverts yeah that's and called per- an in-read that's called an in-read, oh, that's an in-read. okay uh, gotcha. and an in-read is is by far the most effective route to advertising um as it were within the podcast sector um because it's, it's no different to again it's yeah let's remember podcasts are, are radio on demand yeah right and if you look at traditional radio programming output you know if your favorite dj in the morning I grew up listening to Steve Wright or, you know, Chris Evans or maybe. Yeah. If you look at Chris Evans on the, in the commercial network, Chris Evans saying, oh, I went to I went to the theatre last night, see, I went to this pub last night, had a great... The assumption, you, 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 you believe them. You don't believe they have an agenda where they're being paid to say it. It comes across with sincerity. And that's what brands want to buy into. They want to buy into the trust, ultimately, that the listener has with the presenter. And the beauty of podcasting, one, you've got a very highly targeted audience group, but then 
you've got a very, you know, the listener and the way in which people listen to podcasts is a very personal experience. It's very different to radio on in the background. Um, and then when someone listens to a podcast and the presenter says, oh, yeah, and obviously, you know, we wouldn't be able to do this show without a great friends at mm-hmm. And by the way, you know, if you're interested in go to this website, listen to their podcast. It doesn't jolt with you the same way that an ad, a programmatic ad would. The sun in the middle of nowhere. You know, I'm, I don't, I don't, I love cars, but I'm not going to drive a Volvo at the moment. If I was listening to a podcast and suddenly heard of I had a Volvo, it, it would jolt with me. Like, you know, I may, I, try, I may try and skip the ad. Whereas if the presenter said it in a way where I felt as if, you know, it was less, I know, less hard towards me and more, you know, softer. And otherwise, you know, yeah. it, it will resonate a bit better. And, and in-reads are by far, in terms of the comparable to a programmatic ad, by far more effective. The data shows that. Um, I'm, I wonder if it's a generational thing. I don't know if there's the data out there to support that yet, but if you grew up with just terrestrial TV where the ads were part of living, part of, just part of, you know, ad breaks were part of that, ad breaks when you went and got a snack or whatever else then you're you're more likely to accept the ad experience as part of the audio because it you've you've sort of grown up with it more whereas if you've if you were born having access to spotify premium to netflix to disney plus whichever one you want to pick that doesn't have that interruption in there you find it more jarring just because it's your baseline experience do you think there's, is there data out there to to back that kind of idea up there is a lot of data out there. Um, I can forward you over. There, there is a lot of it. I can forward you some reports on it. <laughs> but it's yeah, it's it's a bit generational, but it's also about choice. I think you know what's happened is consumers, listeners, we have choice in market. Um, it will depend also, you know, the pound in your pocket, how squeezed that pound is. Um, so yeah, generation. You know, I'm in my fifties, Richard. You know, and for me, am I willing to pay for things? Well, I'll pay for it if I think it's value. You know, if if I if that content is that important to me and it's that valuable to me, will I be willing to pay for it? Potentially, yes, but there'll be a price point on that. It's economics, like anything else. You know, the, the you know your propensity to purchase will be driven by your you know how your mind calculates whether it's value. I think you know what you're seeing certainly amongst the younger audience. You mentioned it. You know, I remember some of the mobile. I remember Vodafone a number of years ago when you subscribed when you took out a Vodafone contract. As you mentioned, you got Spotify Premium for free. As a student, you get Spotify Premium for free. And my daughter, when she finished university, I think one of the things that grated with her, as well as a student discount in retail, was the fact she had to pay nine ninety nine for Spotify. She was mortified by that. You know, but as you say, I think it's a question of what people have, are used to, but also what they value. Um, and this is why, again, I think some of the publishers out there and the networks are looking at how and what content they can offer you to entice you in and keep you. But that's very that's very different to, you know, how I, I think the lens of how a brand should look at podcasting. You know, I think the, you know, brands, you know, Content is content is king, distribution is King Kong. And I think if you if as a brand you're looking at brand funded podcasts, they don't have to be boring. They don't have to be the model of corporate voice says X, Y and talks about, you know, ABC that you'd expect them to say. But there's no reason why a brand can't fund 
quality podcasting. I, you know, I remember discussing years ago the fact that the soaps, as they're called on TV, i.e. regular drama, were called the soaps because they were funded by Procter & Gamble. Oh, really? And, you know, but you wouldn't, you know, if I see, you know, if you look at the size of a customer database of a brand nowadays, whether you're targeting chief information security officers, marketing managers such as that marketing podcast um, <laughs> or other, you know, you can create content that will be exciting, inform, educate, entertain the audience that can compete, that can get cut through. You don't have to be carried by a major network. Obviously, the networks and the platforms give you a much larger, wider distribution, but shouldn't be used in exclusivity. You know, in exclusivity, it's you know the ability to use CRM mechanisms, to your own PR marketing, to cross-reference the podcast is how you can build an audience. Um, similar to you know how brands use YouTube. No. Yeah, there's an interesting thing there that is that podcast. I think for us, the podcasting is more it's more brand building than lead gen, certainly. But I think there's a point of about owning the audience for a, especially for a brand funded podcast. That if you if you want if you wanted to if we were like if, if this was hosted purely by Spotify, we'd have to compete a lot more heavily. For I was whereas because we've got this the kind of organic audience we've built up over time anyway that we can then promote it to we end up we can you can treat it a little bit differently and i suppose that's the same for any marketing content that you know obviously as a marketing automation platform we would always champion email anyway but the biggest selling point for us is that you own your email marketing list that you know your your twitter audience or your facebook audience could be stripped from you at any moment by someone you've got no chance of contacting and i suppose podcasts that you you just you stick in your little niche and you self-publish it doesn't have that risk to it. Yeah, it doesn't have that risk, but also as the owner and the distributor of your content, you you have the freedom and the flexibility to market as hard or as not as the case may be your episodes, your series across other channels. And I think that's the opportunity. It's recognizing that, you know, it's not filled of dreams. You know, if you produce a podcast and just self-publish, don't don't assume everyone's suddenly going to find you you know so it's interesting as a business seeing how much time and effort brands are now investing in the strategy before they actually pick up the microphone so to speak looking at the design of a thumbnail researching the name of the program in the series in other words there's a lot more detail and strategies going into the creation of a podcast series than just sitting around a table saying oh we fancy talking about X, Y, Z. We've got six, 10, 12, 26 subjects we want to cover off. Let's do a podcast series. It's, it's seen as a very um, highly indexed, highly effective marketing channel when it's approached through the correct strategic lens. Interesting. Yeah. What I thought, what, what I was thinking as you were saying that is how do you get that balance right? Because yeah, yeah, you can sit and, like you say, there's plenty of data out there and it's worth doing your audience research. But presumably there is a point where you've done too much theorizing and you you have got to put something out there and test the water. Yeah, I think, I think so I think there are some basics in terms of an immersion audit you would undertake to establish early on. But, you know, when you're producing a podcast series, it's, you know, the same way traditional broadcasters will do test pilots 
but they won't just do a test pilot, put it out there and see how it goes. They'll put, they'll, you know, they'll, they'll do their homework beforehand, as it were. But, you know, do you want your content to be evergreen? Do you want it to be current? Is it a bit of both? In other words, do you have evergreen content that's top and tailed from a news perspective with the currency of now? Do you give people an appointment to listen? In other words, does it matter if I listen to this podcast this week? Can it wait another three, four weeks? So there's a number of different considerations and there's quite a few that you would take into account in terms of how you're going to distribute and market the podcast. You know, we, we did the first one of these recordings a number of months ago. Um, the world has moved on. Um, yeah. some, but, you know, the good news is hindsight shows us we were right in some of the things we were talking about about Clubhouse and others. But at the same time, you know, in terms of marketing strategies, the thought process and the formulae for how you launch hasn't changed what has changed is the market itself and it's just adapting to listener habits people's consumption rates are people listening you know obviously you know are we you know hybrid working we're not going to go back to quite the level of commute we had beforehand smart speak penetrations increasing bluetooth headset working has increased people working at home streaming through desktop tablet you know mobile smartphone it's and all of these all of these are factors which in consideration the cumulative effect can have a big impact on the success in terms of the engagement rates and the visibility for your podcast yeah what i find interesting actually you know that is the way that i segment my podcast listening because the two the biggest time i listen is on the commute which for me is about half an hour each way every day and for that i use apple podcast on my phone and then, but there's some content I listen to through Spotify, which tends to be on my laptop. So I would kind of, I suppose it, it loops back to not being loyal to one platform, that there are some podcasts I exclusively listen to on the commute and some I exclusively listen to at work through the laptop, just because you can't, if I, if I listen to the first half an episode on Spotify, I don't want to spend ages scrolling through trying to get to where I got to on my phone to then pick it up for another part of the journey. Yeah. But what you're describing is technology is your enabler. And that's a key part for the growth in podcasts the last few years. The technological infrastructure that exists gives us choice and flexibility. There's so many different ways you can engage with it. It's not just a, if you're not, in, yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Like, it's not like. Yeah, listen, you, you can get Spotify through your TV screen, at, through your TV at home. Yeah. The TV yeah, is just a monitor. But, this, but the reality is, this, this is the point, isn't it? In the technology will allow us, no matter where we are, what we're doing, where we're going, if you want to access that audio on demand, you can. That's very true. And the, other, the other thing I thought when we pick up, we did, with the benefit of hindsight, we, we can probably pat ourselves on the back a little bit. Because in the first recording, I asked you about Clubhouse and whether that is a threat to podcasters. And you, you said no. And then I thought you'd... There was enough of a pause. I thought you'd finish and we're going to move on to another question. It was so kind of emphatic. And I, I think it's, I think I had a thought on the way, on the way in preparing this is that is, has Clubhouse become like the UKIP of audio? And what I mean by that is it, it didn't win the argument by itself, but it got so much hype and so much capitalization that we've since had Twitter spaces launch and then Spotify bought Locker Room into there. Brandhouse and Facebook and apparently even Slack are working on voice edit as well. So Clubhouse itself might have 
flamed out. And I, I think if you look at the Google Trends, it pretty much has. And I've certainly not used it since we had our first conversation. But did it change the conversation enough and get the, enough of the attention of big tech, if you like, to to have that lasting impact anyway? Um, I, I don't... Listen, as I said last time, my, my views on Clubhouse were quite divisive because at the time it was being spoken about as having a market cap in the billions for something that was in beta test mode and to me was a bit of a fad. Now, did it create debate in the market about the power of audio? Without showing my age, I'm going to say to you that the concept of using audio for internal comms and a debate is nothing new. I remember organisations used to produce monthly newsletters on little audio cassettes that you'd play in your car radio when you used to sort of put it in the middle section yeah, in the, yeah, the dashboard. Yeah. Again, I think it's technology as an enabler that has allowed conversations to be curated with speed and distributed en masse. So, you know, do I think, do I think Clubhouse was responsible or has had a part in if I was to be really kind to Clubhouse, I'd say yes. My gut says no, because without Clubhouse, I'd still think we'd see the power of audio accelerating the way we have. Because, again, the, the, where, where radio and audio has always won. Yeah, I remember when MTV launched 28 years, I think 28, 29 years ago. Remember the first, first video that played out was, you know, video killed the radio star. And it was, you know, here's a TV station launching, just playing videos of, tr of music tracks. You've had digital, you know, boom. You've had the digital boom, you know, come and start and build and become mainstream in that time. And radio has absolutely held its ground. Absolutely, you know, it's not suffered. Technology has, has been a key factor. Um, if you look at BBC listening, it drives a lot of live listens on BBC Sounds, again, a technology platform, which is also the home to its, all its podcast series. But the portability of audio, the fact that, you know, hopefully people will be listening at some point to this, Richard. Hopefully. But they can listen to this without sitting watching a screen. They can be sitting this, sitting listening to this whilst working away on a, on a tablet, on a desktop or a laptop. They can be listening to this while you know, doing the housekeeping, ironing, whatever it is, you know, and the power of audio, one of the key powers of audio, I think in its strength, or maybe on its strength, is its portability. You know, so has, was, is Clubhouse responsible for that? Absolutely not. You know, the num you know, it's interesting because how often do you do a Zoom call and people go off camera? Well, what's that then? Yeah. That, that's, is it a video audio, conferencing yeah. facility or is it an audio conferencing facility? You know, you talk to the corporate world, they talk about webinars that are audio only, no video. What, so for me, Clubhouse tried to be a bit of Facebook with audio. It tried to create conversations, hook people up. If you're interested in this debate, have an opinion on that. But ultimately, you've also got to recognize we have a finite amount of time in our day. Yeah. And the bit that jolted with us, or certainly jolted with me, was at the time, it was the hype around the market capital of clubhouse it was it was in the, i think it was a you know they were looking at unicorn state something yeah for what and i think this was the piece there was at a time the 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 money and the numbers being thrown out in terms of valuations felt out of kilt with 
those in the podcast or audio world going, well, actually, you know, fell <laughs> down. It's not been, it's all been done yeah. before. And that, and that was it, you know, and I think, you know, there's, there's our, our job as strategists is to be optimistic, absolutely and to champion, but to have a level of pragmatism to make sure everyone keeps their feet firmly on the ground. Yeah. But how do we incorporate this and test it without throwing everything? Yeah. <laughs> That you couldn't have a, a a brand that's only channel is clubhouse. I mean, so even even at the peak, I think that would have been tricky. But whether yeah, as you can say, what 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 segment of our audience does this reach? What does it? Who does it reach? How does it reach them that we aren't doing? Or in fact, does it reach people that we couldn't reach before? Yeah. Um, I mean, so make no mistake. I'm sure if Elon Musk did one of his, you know, in the same way he yeah. supported the crypto world, I'm sure if Elon Musk had suddenly back in the day turned around and said, oh, Clubhouse is the thing that I'm going to be investing in, you probably would have seen a rush into Clubhouse. But, you know, it didn't quite get the influencer base backing it with a level of notoriety that would have, and the level of, you know, regular content to, to keep the conversations going. Yeah, it sort of flamed out, I suppose. It was all... And maybe it was just a circumstance thing that, although it didn't actually launch in 2020, I think it was a year old by then. It just suddenly got picked up. Maybe we all sort of got so hyped in the old, you know, we're never going back to the way things were. This is the brave new world. And this is the technology to do it. It all got wrapped up in that, and we ended up running with it way beyond where it, where it sensibly would have gone. I don't know if the if you can extract the the hype from the circumstance or maybe you shouldn't even try and do that but um but yeah we should, i think we should should at least pat ourselves on the back and say we thought clubhouse was going to flame out and not be that great and as you say six months down the line i think we were right and we don't necessarily always get calls right so we'll, we'll take that one as a win and um i keep enjoying i mean clubhouse is still on my phone i haven't opened it for six months plus but um it's still you know it's not completely gone Maybe it'll maybe it'll mature. I mean, take another uh, celebrity of the lockdown, the QR code. That was big. What was that? Ten years ago, they first had QR codes, and we thought people were going, "Oh, that was that was quite cool." But we didn't really know what to do with it. And then through the pandemic, they jumped up again. So maybe maybe we'll be sitting here in this conversation another six years and say, "Oh, actually, Clubhouse did have something, or it was, or it had the ability to become something." Yeah, listen. The, 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 the reality is the concept of audio conversate audio based conversations has been around a long time will continue to be around a long time what technology what platforms become the mainstream norm we don't have a crystal ball um but you know here was here was a new app that was supposed to be the game changer um didn't didn't fulfill its its dream at that moment in time no. There we go. Oh, yeah, I think that's been a quite a, a good little wrap up of everything of the things. I mean, not of everything that's changed since we last did this, but certainly a lot of the a lot of the uh, the podcast world that's shifted since we last. Did. I think that's a really useful update. And we'll um, yeah, we'll get that. I have, to, I have to get some listener feedback on them, see what they think of it, and um, see if they share the views. We might find a few diehouse might find a few diehard Clubhouse fans out there, but. I hope they found that interesting and useful. And I'll definitely go out and check some of those stats and try and build it into what we do with this podcast. So thanks a lot for coming back on. Brilliant. Thanks for having me, Richard.
that ended up almost longer than the first episode we did, so I think that deserved to be its own episode. I I haven't got the drop-off figures off the top of my head, but I I think if we did an hour, ended up with an hour-plus episode, we would probably suffer for it. I mean, I think so. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I, I think that was too interesting to use it as a test case. I don't, I don't want it to be the sort of the sacrificial lamb that proves a point that I've got a pretty strong hunch about anywhere, a pretty strong. You know, I will have a look at it, but I think half an hour's acceptable right. for a podcast. Lovely. Um, well, thank you for doing that. That's where. I, I'll go away and chat with the team what we, what we do about whether we do two in the month or if we do it March and April. <laughs> that's that's the next piece of that puzzle. But I think that was really good and definitely worth doing. So, yeah. thank you. Pleasure. Nice to see you again, Richard. You too. All right, take, take care. care. Cheers. Bye. Bye. Thank you for joining us for another episode of That Marketing Podcast. You clearly have wonderful taste. We hope you found the content useful and and enjoyed it we'd love you to subscribe wherever it is you're listening to us maybe leave us a review if you can think of a topic that you you'd like us to cover or even if you fancy coming on the podcast and sharing your own experience on a particular topic that you can reach us at marketing team at spotler.co.uk thanks once again and happy marketing mm-hmm.